Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. The time is now 15 seconds past 8 o'clock here in the eastern part of the United States. The news this morning originates with NBC representatives in Berlin, London, and Washington. First, we had to hear from NBC's reporter in Berlin. Hello, NBC. This is William C. Kirker calling from Berlin. Editorial indignation regarding the Altmark incident is gradually subsiding. This morning's papers, however, deal with the English note of protest to Norway, which is termed here as the criterion of audacity. It is interesting to note that some newspapers discuss the English viewpoint in comparison to the German viewpoint of the entire matter, but no new developments are given. The BZ uh, this morning brings a picture of the Altmark lying in the Jessing Fjord. Public sentiment is being awakened for the six German sailors who were, quote, cowardly murdered by the British assassins, unquote. Political tension is still running high in official circles of the Wilhelmstrasse, and much discussion and speculation as to the future developments and their consequences upon the present European conflict are the topic of conversations with neutral observers here. But while the political occurrences commanded our entire attention, life in Berlin went on the usual way. Yesterday was Snow Shovel Sunday. About 11 o'clock, a friend of mine called me to tell me that he had been shoveling snow for the past hour. I know him to, rather, to be rather skeptical toward physical overexertion, and therefore I was rather surprised to hear of his admirable feat. However, it turned out that the janitor of his apartment house, equipped with the official authority of the mayor of Berlin, in friendly manner had put his tenants to work cleaning off the snow on the sidewalk surrounding the building. Walking through Berlin yesterday, everywhere one could see women, men, women, and children lustily shoveling away the snow and neatly piling it along the curbs. With much joking and laughing, people went about their work, seemingly enjoying every minute of it. To a great extent, their homes are without any heat, and so they gladly partake in this opportunity to warm up a bit, and at the same time to put their physical powers to some useful purpose. By now, the invariable mountains of snow adorning the streets of Berlin have reached a height of over six feet. The st uh, city street cleaning department, overtaxed and undermanned as it is, can do nothing about the situation at all. Of course, there is a small amount of grumbling about it, and people are just wondering what is going to happen when the real spring thawing sets in. I have often wondered whether or not somebody would hit upon the idea of privately issuing his own ration cards, because those in circulation are very simple to copy. This in itself should offer great stimulants to such elements who have not as yet received the proper enlightenment upon the much propagandized Volksgemeinschaft, or as we call it, uh, common welfare of the people. And sure enough, yesterday's Frankfurter Zeitung brings a small account regarding the owner of a small printing shop who had forged some 40 ration cards, using a few himself and passing the rest on to his friends. His sidestepping of the straight and narrow, legally considered a perpetration of the economic war decrees, earned for him a sentence of three years in the penitentiary and an additional three years loss of his citizen rights. Today, the famous Swedish explorer Sven Hedin was congratulated upon his 75th birthday by the Führer and at the same time was decorated with the Great Cross of the Service Order of the German Eagle. This winter, this weekend, was Winter Relief Sunday and as such was under the auspices of the entire police force of the Reich. This time, small miniature cops made of Bakelite material were being sold for 20 pfennigs, about 10 cents. The little tokens were so pretty and attractive 
that they sold like hotcakes. The most asked for gadget was a, a white cop on a horse. Last Saturday night, they were all sold out already, and the last one's going for as high as about $2. I witnessed this personally as a collector demanded and actually got five marks for his last token. Early Sunday morning, the supply had given out completely, and so the collecting officers had to try and sell small paper flowers, which were by far less attractive. I've seen people with as many as ten miniatures dangling from their lapels, and asking them what uh, they intend to do with them all, I, I, they usually answered, I'm going to give them to my little boy. They're very nice little toys for him to play with, which just goes to show you that Germans are very, very practical people sometimes. Today's Army communique reports... Minor artillery activities. Four convoys were attacked on the North Sea, whereby freighters and tankers and one destroyer were sunk. But I see now that my time is up, and so I return you to the National Broadcasting Company. You have just heard the early afternoon news in Germany. Now we go overseas again for the news in England by NBC's representative in London. Good morning. This is London. The news here this morning is that a British destroyer has been torpedoed and sunk. A new protest has been sent from this country to Norway. Two Nazi ships have been captured and brought into port. And the London papers are scoffing at the Germans about the seizure of British prisoners from the Altmark. The torpedo destroyer, sixth to be lost by Britain since the start of the war, was HMS Daring. The official admiralty communique said that only one officer and four men have been rescued. Nine officers and 148 men are missing and believed to be drowned. It is not announced where or when the attack occurred. The Daring was a ship of 1,375 tons and was a sister to HMS Duchess, which was lost in collision with another naval vessel last December. She was completed in 1932 and had a speed of over 37 knots. She had been serving in the China Station until the outbreak of war. A week ago last Saturday night, six German ships, which had been tied up in the Spanish port of Vigo, bolted out under the cover of darkness in an attempt to run the Allied blockade and reach home. Saturday, two of these ships were sighted by British warships and captured before any attempt was made to scuttle them. They were the Morea, a freighter of 2,000 tons, which was carrying a cargo of manganese ore, and the Rostock, a steamer of 2,542 tons. The Morea was brought into a west of England port by a prize crew, and the 30 Germans on board were interned. The British have departed from their usual careful diplomatic technique in the past few days. Usually the Foreign Office works on the theory that it's wiser to let the other fellow talk first and answer him later. But when British warships invaded Norwegian territorial waters to rescue the 326 British seamen who were being held captive aboard the German freighter Altmark, it was Britain and not Norway who got in the first protest. And late last night, the British followed up this lead by asking Norway not only to justify its cursory search of the German ship, but to intern that ship for violating international law. In many ways, this hand-to-hand -hand battle between the British destroyer Cossack and the Altmark in the Yossing Fjord Friday night is much more important than the now famous battle between, uh, with the Graf Spee at Montevideo. Already, the Norwegian incident is having its diplomatic repercussions. Dispatches from Norway this morning suggest that Norway may, may, because of the British action, order her merchant ships to cease trading with Britain. Germany has been trying to attain this object for months now.
but it is doubtful if the Norwegians will feel that they can afford to penalize themselves in order to get even with the British. Even more important than this question is whether the Altmark incident will lead Norway to refuse passage of Allied volunteers to Finland. This possibility is being freely discussed in London diplomatic circles this morning. The first call-up of Britain's large holdings of United States dollar securities is announced this morning. A Treasury order compels all residents in this country who hold any of a list of 60 leading American stocks to turn them into the government for cash. The reason for this order is that Britain wants to get hold of United States dollars held by her subjects in order to be able to buy planes and other war equipment in the, in the United States. The amount of money involved by today's order is about $96 million. Though this order theoretically applies even to Americans resident in this country, it is understood that Washington complained about this and arranged for Americans to be exempt from the order. This is London returning you to the National Broadcasting Company in New York. The National Broadcasting Company's representatives abroad have just brought you the news in Berlin and London. Tomorrow morning, NBC brings you reports from Paris and Berlin. For Earl Godwin and the news on Capitol Hill, we take you now to Washington. Good morning, and Washington's week opens with a political version of Gone with the Wind, or Anthony Adverse. <coughs> A 30,000-word report to the Republican National Committee, which gives the GOP platform makers 30,000 or 40,000 words of possible building materials. Glenn Frank, who uh, chairmaned the report, was until recently the president of Wisconsin University and in politics is rather progressive. The report, which, the report advises the freeing of business from too many shackles, take off the handcuffs, recommends a 20% cut in government spending and urgently begs this country to keep the peace. It's not possible in five minutes to do anything more than point to the highlights, but after a de detailed discourse on how to do for the farmers bigger and better things than the New Deal, the report comes down hard on what it terms the central issue. Quote, the securing of full employment of the manpower, technical skill, and economic resources of the nation. Close quote. And it asks that the country awake to the fact that the private economy of America has not come to a dead end, but that America is still crowded with possibilities of fruitful growth and expansion. To get the fruits of this future, the report urges a regime, an administration, or a government wherein men have more freedom and less restriction. The report also recommends less taxation on people and more taxation of federal, state, and city bonds. Its report, which occupied 200 brainy men and women two years to produce. And if a hard-boiled reactionary platform committee is elected at the Republicans' presidential convention in the summer, the Frank report will be gone with the wind, in fact, as well as in length. Representative Tinkham of Massachusetts, the bearded Boston boy who shoots lions in Africa between sessions, aimed at the administration today and fired a double-barreled blast, charging there as a secret alliance over two strategically valuable pinpoints in the southern Pacific, Canton and Enderbury Islands. 
Tinkham says he tried to get all the facts from the State Department and received a frigid no, not unless England agrees. All of which, says Tinkham, indicates a secret agreement with England on the South Pacific Islands known to be great vantage points in possible airplane warfare. And this, continues the Boston Blue Blood, could lead us into involvement in the Japan-China War. <clears throat> well, it doesn't need Glenn Frank to report in cloistered, scholarly style on taxes and spending. That economy block on Capitol Hill, composed of Republicans and tax-scary Democrats, seem to be drinking black coffee to keep them from falling asleep on their job of economy. But there is a mysterious rumor creeping about Capitol Hill this early on Monday that the administration is maneuvering to keep the relief appropriation bills back for six or eight weeks or so, not bring them out now, but in about eight weeks to come forth with a much larger relief figure than the president presented. That figure that he presented cut $600 million off the current relief program, which ends, by the way, June 30 of this year. All these appropriation bills we speak of these Monday mornings start July 1. But the president asked for a billion, three hundred million dollars, which he said at the time might be too small. He was just putting up a billion, three hundred million as something to shoot at, possibly. Actually, I think this rumor of strategy is based on the president's request or his suggestion last week to Representative Woodrum of Virginia and Representative Warren of North Carolina to study carefully the national relief needs ere a relief bill is wheeled into the House to become the center of a furious fracas, which it surely will be unless the figure is large enough. And this is Earl Godwin saying goodbye, and that's all from Washington this morning. This is NBC New York. This morning you have heard the news in Berlin, London, and Washington. Tune in tomorrow morning for the news from Paris, Berlin, and Washington. This is the National Broadcasting Company.